This is Mark Lemley from Stanford Law School, and you're listening to IP Fridays. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 56 of IP Fridays. What would happen to all the intellectual property rights if the people in the UK would actually vote for the Brexit, so leaving the EU? That's our topic of today's interview with David Potter and Martin Fish of HGF Harrison Goddard Foot. But before we jump into the interview, um, Ken has some news about USPTO fees adjustments. Rolf, if all goes according to plan, you'll have to open your wallet a little wider to transact business at the United States Patent and Trademark Office and at the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board. Late last month, the USPTO set forth multiple fee adjustments, including several new fees at the TTAB. Comments are due to the USPTO on or before July 11, 2016. Here's a look at what we are likely to be spending should all be approved during the rulemaking process. The cost for electronically filing a trademark application for one class of goods or services will go up from $325 to $400. This represents a $75 increase per class. Renewing a trademark is also proposed to go up in cost, with a Section 8 affidavit rising from $100 per class to $150 per class. That represents a $50 increase. Groundbreaking are the proposed new TTAB fees, noted in the proposed rules as published in the Federal Register on May 27, 2016. This includes a brand new fee to cover a subsequent 60-day or 90-day extension of time to oppose a trademark or service mark application. If filed electronically, that will cost $100. A final 60-day extension of time to oppose, with consent of the applicant, will cost $200 if filed electronically. The first extension of 30 days will not incur the new charge under the proposed rules. If you plan to file on paper, you can expect to double these new fees, yet another attempt to encourage electronic filing. Finally, ex parte appeals at the TTAB are proposed to increase from $100 to $200. There are many other fee increases noted in the proposed rules. For more information, we have a link to the proposed rules, which were published in the Federal Register on May 27, 2016. The USPTO states that it prefers comments to be submitted electronically to tmfrnotices at uspto.gov. For IP Fridays, I'm Ken Suzanne. Thank you, Ken. So what happens to all the IP rights after a Brexit? I'm very excited to be joined by Martin Fish and David Potter. If you don't know who Martin and David are, they are both partners with HGF, Harrison Goddard Foot in, in the UK. And today we are talking about uh, what would happen to the IP rights if the Brexit would come into effect, basically. 
Martin is a partner with the firm since uh, 2009, and he's a litigator. He litigates all aspects of intellectual property, so copyright, trademarks, patents, designs, whatever comes his way. And he, is, uh, he has been involved in numerous high court cases. Um, he has been the first to try out the new uh, specialized IP court in the UK. And he is also heading a UPC ready group to talk to clients what to do when the UPC comes into effect. I'm also joined by David Potter. Um, David is mostly handling trademarks. He's uh, managing large trademark portfolios. He's uh, prosecuting and um, litigating trademarks. He joined the profession in 1996 and became partner with Harrison Goddard Foot in 2004. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. So, um, just for the sake of argument, uh, let's uh, assume that Brexit would happen. Uh, what would happen to the IP rights? <laughs> That's the million-dollar question. Uh, I mean, in terms of trademarks and the and design, uh, the EU trademark and design registrations, then we are, if there was a Brexit, we're operating on the assumption that, that the UK would no longer be covered by them. It's not a given because uh, you never know the European Union could be incredibly generous and allow UK still to be covered, but I, I doubt it very much in, indeed. And also there are no actual provisions under the uh, trademark directive, at least, that governs any countries that uh, leave the EU. There, there are provisions for when countries, I think Croatia in 2014 was the last one to join in terms of new uh, members, but there is absolutely nothing uh, there that, that governs anybody exiting. But I think we're believing that if uh, the UK do vote to leave the EU, that UK would no longer be covered by the European Union, uh, European Union trademark and also design registration. So the question then is, is what will happen uh, to those EU uh, registrations as they currently uh, stand? And our best guess is that in a kind of reverse of what happened uh, in terms of transitional provisions and, and, and when you countries join the EU, they will be kind of hived off into uh, national uh, rights in the UK as UK uh, trademark registrations or, or UK design registration. Right. And um, will there be any uh, transitional provisions um, or would you just have to re-register national trademarks or what, what, is, what, what is your best guess? Well, perhaps starting on, on the day after the, the vote, if there was a uh, about to leave then, uh, the, these things are going to take, in our view, years and years and years to, to be resolved. It's, it's incredible to think about all the, the, the laws covering every area of, of, uh, of UK life that is tied in with, with mm. EU laws, trademarks being just one uh, example, that it will take years and years and years for all that to be unraveled and, and for new provisions to be, to be put in place. So. I, first thing I would say is I would very much think that the European trademark would continue, uh, if any of you are filed for the foreseeable future, to cover off uh, the UK as well. And then at some point in the future, and I, and I would estimate it to be two, three, if not years down the line, uh, the UK rights will be hived off and, and moved off to be national rights. And again, my educated guess is that they will mirror uh, as much as possible, the, the rights that you have uh, under the EU one. So I think they would have the same filing dates uh, and, and they would just stand alone uh, as a just a UK right with 
the description of goods, the filing date, etc., etc., uh, mirroring the, the the old EU registration, and that EU registration would then proceed uh, covering the whole of the European Union, of course, minus the the UK. It'd be really interesting to see what clients do in that intervening period of, of uncertainty, where um, you know if they were applying for a new trademark post Brexit, whether they would um, get a UK national as well, just to hedge their bets because it's unknown exactly what's going to happen to the, to the system until we get legislation from the UK government. Yes, that's very interesting, an interesting question. And one thing that you mentioned is also particularly interesting. You said that also the filing date will be mirrored. So um, the UK trademarks will, in your best estimated guess, uh, also have the same time rank as the CTMs, right? That, that's how I would see it panning out. And, and then one other thing that I, is interesting is, is how will that process happen? Will it just be totally automated so that uh, the, the millions of, of European Union trademarks would, would just be converted into a, an additional millions of UK national rights? And whether the UKPO would, would just do that automatically and therefore uh, right holders have to do nothing. You just, the day after this all occurs, you have a new UK uh, registration, same filing date, but with, I guess, a completely new and unique UK registration number. Or will the UK IPO, for example, charge for this process and it starts to become something that you have to uh, opt in to do? You have to say, yes, I want to convert into a UK uh right when the European Union uh, registration ceases to cover the UK. If I had to guess, I would perhaps say it's perhaps likely that it will be uh, a process where you have to opt in to decide to uh, to convert uh, into a, a standalone UK registration. Mm. Um, and after the Brexit, it's pretty clear, right, for newly filed trademarks. The situation is quite clear, right? Well, I, going back to Martin's point, after the, the date when uh, it's finally uh, resolved, this whole issue, which, as I said, could be f two, three, four years after, after the actual Brexit vote uh, next, in two weeks' time, then, then, then no. And as mine said, it would be interesting whether people just continue as they are in finding EU marks and then deal with the, uh, the, the UK element uh, being hived off at a later stage or, or start to already file separate UK ones is, is an interesting point. But certainly when all these provisions come into being, then yes, it will be from that, that day on, you need to file a separate UK one to get protection in the UK. Or, or the Madrid protocol, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Um, what about uh, like a little bit more uh, less known um, intellectual property rights, like unregistered design rights? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, what's quite quite interesting with unregistered design rights is that, I mean, currently for the UK, we have the, the European unregistered design right, the three-year right, and then we have the have a separate UK unregistered design right, and they actually cover quite quite different things. So for unregistered European, that can protect surface decoration, where UK unregistered design rights specifically exclude surface decoration from the period from um, design right protection. So if um, Brexit does happen, then the European unregistered design right will, will disappear from the, the armory of designers trying to enforce their their rights. And it'd be interesting to see whether the, the UK government enacts specific legislation to enable designers to have the same protection 
as afforded by the European unregistered design rights because it would seem quite unfair that, that designers who were, are enjoying these rights suddenly have those rights taken away from them because of an exit from the, from the European Union. Mm. Okay, a very good point. <laughs> so I hope it happens exact same way as you just predicted it. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, the, this, all these points are, are fixable really by, by legislation, but David's point is, is very accurate that, you know, how, how many pieces of legislation are there in, in lots of different areas? And will IP be a particular priority for, for people in well, the it, debates we've been having about the, the European Union on, on television over the past few few nights? Um, not many people have been talking about the, the benefits of Europe in relation to IP rights. Hmm. Uh, what would be your recommendation to CTM holders once, like, uh, let's say, if the people vote for the Brexit, like one day after that, what, what, how should they behave? Like CTM owners, I think to be ultra safe and conservative, whilst it's still unknown how those UK rights will be hived out of the European Union trademark, is probably to think about filing a UK national alongside uh, a European one, just so that if, and I hope not, but if the the hive out that takes place later later gives you a right that isn't as strong or doesn't give you the filing date uh, of the initial EU one, that you you cover that cover that off. It's it's probably a, a quite a, a mm. safe and conservative route to take. Uh, the other way would be just to continue filing and registering the European Union trademarks and await the uh, the decision as to how the UK rights are then hived off from mm. those. It would, in any case, be a nightmare for all CTM holders, I would say. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. And and also, if going back to that question of whether the hive off and the the creation of the UK rights, if that's completely automated and and it creates these millions and millions of UK registrations, that's, I think, probably a, a good thing. If it's an opt-in process, then, then us as, as attorneys and brand owners will have to review, contact all our clients who have a European Union trademark and be advising mm -hmm. and asking them whether they want to uh, presumably also pay a, a fee to, to convert them into a, a, a mirrored UK national registration. Mm -hmm. um, one question um, I have is about... Um how you represent your clients uh, with future EU trademarks. Yes. Hmm. I mean, that again is, is, uh, is, is unsure. Uh, the current uh, provisions state that if you're an attorney based in the European Union or the uh, European Economic Area, then you can represent uh, clients at the EU IPO. So uh, if that wasn't to change, then we, if, and if we voted to, to, to join and, and be in the European Economic Area, then as uh, a UK attorney or a UK-based uh, company, you could still be re represented at the uh, EU IPO in Alicante. Uh, if if that isn't the case, and unless those regulations are changed, then we wouldn't be able to directly... I think we can file applications. I think, uh, as it currently stands, anybody around the world can file the applications. When it comes right. to pros prosecuting them and dealing with mm. the oppositions, then you need to be a, either an EU national or a national of the European economic economic area. Mm -hmm. What you may find uh, happens with uh, certainly UK-based firms that they may start opening up uh, offices, even just satellite offices somewhere in the, uh, the European Union to enable them to, to have somebody who can be the representative who uh, deals directly with the, the EU IPO because they are a national or a resident of the, the EU. Right. Okay. 
Um, let's move over to patents. Um, what happens to all the um, patents and especially the European patents <laughs> that are currently granted and maybe we can also briefly talk about the UPC? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the situation is a lot more certain for for patents because, as we know, when you get a granted European patent, it's effectively a bundle of, of national rights in, in any event. So um, it won't have any impact on, on existing um, UK-designated European patents. And also for, for filing and prosecuting um, European patents, um, the the Great Britain exiting the European Union won't have any effect on that. Um, the UK will still be a member of the European Patent um, Convention and therefore patents prosecuted through the EPO will still be able to be validated into, into the UK. So the existing um, system of, of applying for European patents and ending up with a UK national patent as a result of that won't um, be affected by, by Brexit. Um, also, European patent attorneys um, will still be able to represent clients before the European Patent Office. So again, there'll be no problem, even if we exit the European Union, for UK-based um, European patent agent attorneys um, representing clients before the EPO. Mm -hmm. And now let's talk about the, the big thing that comes our way in Europe uh, mm. in patents, the UPC. Yes. Um, I think the Great Britain nearly already ratified the UPC, right? The, the agreement. Yes, we are very close. All the um, legislation is, is virtually in place. And if we don't leave the, the European Union, uh, my understanding is that we will be um, ratifying as will Germany in, in around February 2017. So if, if Brexit doesn't happen, if we stay in the European Union, we are very close to, to ratifying the, the agreement. That's right. Mm. And what happens if you leave the EU? <laughs> uh, very, very interesting question. So if, uh, the, the, the UPC is all based about the, the European Union. And so it's very clear that if we leave the European Union, we can no longer be part of the, the unitary patent and the, the unified patent court. Now, the UK is one of the three um, most important countries when it comes to the UPC, because the, the legislation is framed such as uh, present, you need Germany, France and um, the UK to ratify the agreement in order for the whole system to come into a place. So if one of those countries doesn't ratify, then uh, the, the whole agreement and the whole system doesn't come into force. What's interesting is when you read the, the legislation, it isn't those countries named, it's actually the, the top filers in the preceding years um, that you look at. So if the UK leaves the European Union, it um, the country which steps into its place would be Italy. So Italy ratifying along with Germany and France, who've already ratified, become the three important states. Mm -hmm. So um, the UK exiting the European Union doesn't prevent the system coming into force, um, but I think that it will cause delays. For instance, um, the central division of the Unified Patent Court is split over three seats. One of those seats is in London. Um, we've already signed the lease on that building. 
um, rather amusingly, the colour of the, the benches and the carpets have actually been chosen, so everything's already in place. <laughs> so the problem is, is where would that central division um, be moved to? Because the location of the central division in London is actually written into the agreement, and so we would need a change to the agreement in order to move it out of, of London. So you either have significant delay while the countries decide where that um, court should be, or you have a very odd situation where the court remains in London, but the jurisdiction of the court does not extend to the to the UK. So my feeling is that um, there's such a lot of political will in Europe to start the unitary pattern of the unified patent court. I think the system will still come into effect even without the UK, but it will lead to significant delays in actually implementing the changes. Mm. So maybe for a first um, transitional period, the court will remain in London because everything is already set. And then maybe after that transitional period, the court will be moved to some other place, let's say Rome or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, people are talking about you know various cities in Italy potentially um, Milan, but yeah, that mm -hmm. would uh, well, that would be my best guess of what would would happen. I mean, the whole the whole problem, even if the system moved forward without the UK, is that it would be a, a fundamentally weaker system if the court doesn't cover the UK and the, the unitary patent doesn't cover. The UK, and I've been speaking to clients about you know how they would feel about the UK not being part of the system, and they think that the system would be far weaker without the UK because of our our very good um, judges who have a very strong tradition in in patent litigation, and they see that as a very important part of of European patent litigation. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's. Uh... The, I mean, the attractiveness of the UPC will really suffer if the UK would leave, not only because the expertise of the brilliant uh, UK judges will be lost, but also because um, a lot of um, patents are validated currently in the UK and it would be very attractive to have UK in the system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you have a pan-European injunction that doesn't cover the UK, yes. it's, uh, it's a bit toothless, really. Yeah. Yes. Okay, um, it would be really a pity for me because I'm a chemist and the chemistry division will be in London and there's a really nice direct flight <laughs> from uh, Cologne to London. <laughs> and the offices look very nice that they've got in Oldgate, so uh, yeah, really nice location. Yes, I think currently there is no direct flight from Cologne to Milan or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's talk about some more general um, issues. Um, What, what do you think, how will the case law develop like over time? Um, will the UK still be bound to like the principles of the European Court of Justice? Probably not. I don't know. No, yeah, I mean, that, that would be my understanding that it wouldn't be bound by the principles of the Court of Justice. But our, a lot of our jurisprudence on the, on the trademark aspect is already very tightly woven into um, the ECJ's um, thinking. And so even though um, European decisions might not have such direct applicability, um, they're already woven into to the case law that would still apply. You know, the 1994 Act mirrors the, um, the European legislation. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a long time before we see any significant divergence, I think, between the, um, the trademark laws in the, in the UK and, and European law. Right. And um, also, um, 
the UK court system would be, of course, uh, would not be, you would not be able to use the UK court system for uh, EU trademarks, right? That's, that's right. Um, the, the UK courts would not be um, community trademark um, courts. And so they would, um, their only role would be to, to enforce UK trademarks and European trademarks that presumably have by that time have been converted into um, UK national rights. And then also any appeal process uh, that starts in the UK won't go to the EU uh, up the appeal chain. It will, of course, yes. stay in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, one question I forgot to ask about patents. Um, what do you recommend to patent owners uh, if the if the UK would leave um, the EU? I think I it's mean, a lot. It would just stay the same, probably, right? Yeah, Unless, exactly. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a lot a lot simpler um, if if we are leaving the European Union for, for patents and it is trademarks because um, filing and prosecution remains the same. Um, our conversations regarding the, um, the Unified Patent Court and the unitary patents will change um, because there'll no longer be the issue of whether you opt out your UK designation of a, of a European patent. So there'll be more nuanced conversations, I think, with clients regarding the, the UPC, but filing and, and prosecution of, of European patents in the, in the short term will, will remain exactly the same. Um, that has been a very, very interesting conversation with you. Thank you very much. Thank you, too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about um, how to, like what to do when Brexit would actually happen, uh, where could they reach you best? Yeah, and they can look on our, our website at uh, hgf.com and on there they'll find our, our thoughts about things like the, the unitary pattern and we will be updating clients and contacts on the, the impact of Brexit um, if it happens um, in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com slash feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes, and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast, or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014, all rights reserved.